Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the post-game reaction show of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. The show is brought to you every single day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Hope you spent your weekend stopping by LBs and seeing Greg and telling him we sent you, of course, because picture-perfect day, incredible game on the field. Hope you took advantage by going to LBs. And if you haven't yet, Get your game day weekend started right there. LB's just across from Kroger, University Avenue there in Oxford. And today, doing the post game a little bit differently. So what I'm going to try to do is here in a few seconds, I'm going to hit live on Periscope. And what I'm going to do is record this podcast while also getting some reaction on Periscope. I don't know how this is going to go. This is the first time I'm trying this. Hopefully it goes well. Hopefully we can do it more in the future. But for now, I do want to say that if it feels a little bit different, sounds a little bit different, it's simply because I am also live on Periscope. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. I will share it there next time I do this. Hopefully next Saturday. One of my idiot friends is getting married Saturday, so the postgame might be a little bit later than usual um, because you're not supposed to get married on Saturdays in the fall. Just for the record. Anyway. So I'm going to hit live. Hopefully this works out. I'm going to hit live right now and see if this works. So here we go. It should be live. Um, Yeah, and I'm retweeting it right now. It is all good right here on the Sports Talk Periscope. So welcome in. If you're watching on Periscope, I am also recording a post-game reaction podcast as well. Kind of a dueling situation here. So uh, I will be recording a podcast. That's why you see a microphone, but uh, glad that you have joined me on Periscope. And let me know, is the audio okay? Uh, Send me a comment. Can you hear me talking to you right now? Because I feel like this would be really funny if it was just me speaking and you couldn't hear. So can you hear me right now? Actually, I could probably just test this instead of uh, asking you to let me know. Uh, So I'll do that right now. Yeah, you can hear me. See, a little inception there. All right, we are uh, reacting to breaking down Ole Miss and Kentucky final score. It was just an incredible football game. If you didn't have emotional investment in the game, you probably enjoyed the heck out of it uh, just from a sheer entertainment value. Ole Miss gets the win in overtime, 42-41, to 41, thanks to a missed extra point. A shanked extra point cleared the path for Ole Miss to get the win in the first overtime. So I have got a ton to get to when we're reacting to this game. There is so much. I feel like I need hours to do it. And luckily, by the way, if this isn't enough for you, tomorrow morning I will be doing my show, Sports Sunday, on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch it on supertalktv.com. Listen on some of your lo- uh, local Super Talk stations. Uh, we'll do more reacting there. I'll take your phone calls as well. You can't really call in on a Periscope feed, but I'll take your phone calls tomorrow morning if you want to talk about the game more in depth with with me. But of course, I'd love to hear from you right now. So uh, send me a comment, your thoughts about the game, your reaction, what you saw, what you thought. So much to get into. And I think, of course, you have to start with this being Lane Kiffin's first win at Ole Miss. And honestly, it's kind of on brand, right? With um, 
how that game went. I mean, there was a ton of offense and quirkiness and a still image where one official is declaring a field goal good while the other one is saying it's no good. More on that in a little bit. But it was a very on-brand win for Lane Kiffin all over the place. Offense, excitement, just Lane Kiffin brand football what you got today. And it was um, just a really good win against a good Kentucky team. Um I I know they lost like Lynn Bowden last year and stuff like that, but it's a a program under Mark Stoops that's been really just solid and stable for a long time. And I'm sure you saw it on both offensive and defensive lines. Kentucky was better than Ole Miss today. They were better in the trenches than Ole Miss. The difference is Ole Miss has a quarterback named Matt Corral that you guys probably have heard of. Uh, Talent all over uh, the wide receiver groups and they made enough plays late on defense to get a win. Your difference was the skill position, but but Kentucky was better than Ole Miss on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. So that's a really nice win on the road against a stable and solid Kentucky team with a really good coach and a really steady program. That shows you right there. And we'll get into the defensive stuff here uh, in just a little bit because I know there's a lot of people questioning... Um, scheme on defense and I don't think that's the approach to take when reacting to how good or bad they are on defense but um, that was a well-coached football game from Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss because up front of the offensive line they were overmatched up front of the defensive line they were overmatched but they found a way to get the football to more than just Elijah Moore he wasn't Ole Miss's leading receiver today I said going into the game that It's extremely important for Ole Miss to rely on somebody else, um, to rely on somebody else to produce, especially in the receiving game. And Mingo stepped up and did it. Yaboa had three really good catches. There's your difference in the game. If Ole Miss was just dependent on Elijah Moore, I don't think they're winning the game. So it was a well-called game. The offensive scheme, again, was creative, especially with some limitations up front didn't run the ball very well at all and still found a way to move the football down the field, get the ball to Elijah Moore when they could, but utilize multiple weapons on offense and find a way to basically score at will and win a football game that when you look at the other side of the ball, they had no business whatsoever winning the game. So it was a well-coached, especially offensively, but a well-coached game um, going to Kentucky and winning the way they did. Uh, That's big time especially with Alabama next week. Getting off to an 0-3 start would have been pretty tough. But that is big time, what just happened, um, oh, I guess about an hour and a half ago now, on the field there in Lexington. You can't talk about this game, though, moving forward without mentioning Matt Corral. And he was excellent again. Here's a stats. 24 of 29 for 320, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked twice, and that number should have been a lot more More on that in a second. But the thing about Matt Corral is there's two big points that I have when it comes to him and what he's done so far this season. Number one, most importantly, he looks extremely comfortable. There were a handful of times where he did it, where his mechanics broke down and he rushed some things. But he looks very comfortable in the pocket distributing the football, even under duress, which was something that he did not have last year. He's really improved in that regard when it comes to his ability to run the offense comfortably and without panicking. 
Uh, he's gotten really good at that. You knew the arm talent was there, but because he's under control and because he's not panicking, he distributes the football better and the schemes better as well. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The offense, the way they're running their offense, the scheme, the play calling is much better, which makes it easier for a quarterback to be successful. But especially today, under duress, Kentucky was getting pressure on him under duress, making good decisions for the most part, distributing the football accurately, on time for the most part. He's got all the talent in the world, running when he needed to. Another complete game from Matt Corral, and he's two for two on that regard this year. But I think the other take I'll have on him, and this isn't a a shot or anything, it's that even though he was 24 of 29 for 320 and four touchdowns, there's still room for improvement. Matt Corral still has some things in his game that he can improve on. This isn't a finished product. This isn't a complete Matt Corral. He's still a young quarterback that still needs to learn and grow and become the best quarterback he can be. This is still really only his second year of real game action, and last year was basically a wash with the way they handled him. So as good as he was today, and he was exceptional, there still is room for improvement, if you can believe that. I think that's another big takeaway from Matt Corral's game. He's still a young quarterback. He's technically a redshirt sophomore, even though this year doesn't count. So knowing that he's still young, this is only the second game in a new system, his third in three years, and an offensive line in front of him that didn't do a very good job of protecting him today, and he still plays like that with room to grow, that's got to feel really, really good for an Ole Miss fan that is listening to this right now or watching right here on Periscope, knowing that you've got a quarterback that still has a ton of room to grow, and yet he's not even close to... He's, he, the numbers that he's putting up are going to win a bunch of games for Ole Miss, and there's still so much room for him to improve. Really impressed with his game today, obviously. Very few mistakes, uh, if any. Uh, there was a bad read on, on, a, on a read option where he should have kept the ball, and maybe the call was a straight give. We don't know that, so maybe it was. Um, he threw in a double coverage a couple of times. Next week, Alabama will punish you for doing that. But yet another game where he plays like this. <laughs> and Ben says Lane convinced him to stop smoking cigs. Hey, it was good to see that uh, that hairdo was gone. That, that was good to see. That... Um, he found a way to uh, do something normal with the top of his head and not that Coolio look or whatever you wanted to call what he had last week. Um, but just a really, really nice game from your young quarterback. He's improved immensely, but this is what you expected when you signed him. This is the kind of skill set that the kids got, and he's still not anywhere close to his ceiling. Next thing I have written down here is offensive line, especially in pass protection, but running the football wasn't great either. Um, Kentucky is very, very good on the defensive front. We talked about it on the radio show all week long. If you listen to this podcast, the one I'm recording right now, if you're on Periscope, um, Kentucky was really good in the front seven. Really, really good in the front seven. And you saw that today. Ole Miss has a ton of improving to do on the offensive line if they can do it. I've talked to people that are around the program. They believe in some of the guys there on the offensive line. They think they may have a couple of NFL bodies, but they're young. They're inexperienced up front. You saw some of that today, a couple of bad snaps, and only giving up two sacks is kind of deceptive. Matt Corral, his elusiveness was able to escape a lot of pressure today. That's something that Ole Miss has to get better at 
moving forward is protecting their quarterback. Because if you just look at the stats, you would think they did fine in pass protection. Um, It's going to be a different story when they watch the film. Uh, Completely different story when they watch the film. Ole Miss in pass protection was beat up today. And if it wasn't for their quarterback being as elusive as as he was, uh, that sack number goes from two to six, or I mean, it was a lot, really quick. Uh, Got to get better in pass uh, protection for sure. Uh, I do see your question. I'll uh, sorry for putting my hand up there. Uh, what do I think about their use of John Rice Plumley? Um, honestly, I think this is about how they should use him. And, and I know that's unpopular with some people. I know that's really unpopular with Gene Chizik, who um, at the half. Uh, wanted Ole Miss to use John Rice Plumley at quarterback a lot more. And I, th- there's a disconnect between what national people think about him and what he should be at Ole Miss and what the reality is. He's explosive. He's fast. I imagine Kiffin wants to give him the ball a little bit more than he did today. But every time you take Corral out of the game to put Clum- uh, ooh, let me try that again. Every time you take Corral out of the game to put Plumlee in at quarterback, you're taking a snap away from a guy that just went 24 of 29 on the road against a good Kentucky team. You know what I mean? So I think their use of him today is far more appropriate than even what you saw last week or what national people are calling for. I think he's a guy that in spurts can give you a lot of things. But I do think right now, Playing him at quarterback frequently is a mistake considering how well Matt Corral is playing. And number two, if you force him carries, that means you're taking some away from Jerry and Ely. That means you're taking some away from Elijah Moore. And as explosive as John Rice Plumley is, I mean, do you really want Elijah Moore to take to have fewer touches in a game? Because in order to get Plumley the ball, you've got to take some from him and Jerry and Ely. So I liked it today. Uh, especially late in the game when they went to Plumley, he got a first down on the run right back to Matt Corral. That's the way they used him today, I think, is far more appropriate and will be far more effective moving forward. Use him in spots. Um, and yeah, you're right. When he's in the game, it is an obvious run. They're going to, at some point, throw the football out of a Plumley package. They're going to do that because they have to show somebody that they're willing to throw out of that package because... What you saw and what you've seen so far in these first two weeks is when Plumlee's in the game, defenses are keying on the run. They're not even at all afraid of the pass, at all. Not even a little bit. They play so downhill, they're going to have to throw out of that eventually just to show a defense we're willing to do it. Apparently, Plumlee's getting better at throwing the football. That's what Kiffin said this week uh, to David Kellum. So uh, you've got to show that at some point, though, because situationally today it worked. But if you're going to keep going to him, lining him up at quarterback, there's got to be a threat down the field or else it's going to go for little or no gain like you saw a couple of times today. But I did like the usage today better than I did last week. I don't like taking Matt Corral out of the game. He's been too good so far. He's been too good to take him out of the game, and you saw why today. In spots, situationally, maybe line him up in the slot sometimes or at H-back or something like that because... You have a quarterback, and his name is Matt Corral, and you don't need to do anything else besides play Matt Corral at quarterback. Similar to Taysom Hill, um, yes and no. Usage 
rate, yes. The positions he plays, no. So Taysom Hill's a much bigger guy than John Rice Plumley. So that's why they line him up at tight end and stuff like that. So you're not lining up Plumley in place of Kenny Yaboa or somebody like that. But uh, on a touches-per-game basis, yes, very similar to that. Uh, I like that a lot. All right, my next point here that I've got written down is the other receivers. So Elijah Moore still had 92 yards receiving today, by the way, uh, and a touchdown. But I said going into the game that there, there has to be somebody else. Somebody else has to step up and be a reliable receiver for Matt Corral or Ole Miss is going to struggle offensively. And you got just that. Jonathan Mingo and Kenny Yaboa especially today, but Mingo was the man. I mean, it's not just the jersey number. He looks like, I said this on Twitter, looks like two guys that wore an Ole Miss uniform with the number one on it at wide receiver. He looks like Laquan Treadwell, but he's faster than Laquan Treadwell. He looks like A.J. Brown, a little bit thinner, at least right now, than A.J. Brown was by the time he was done at Ole Miss. But you saw the physicality, and that physicality from a wide receiver is, is kind of rare in today's game as well. But the willingness to take on contact, the screw you, I'm going to knock you out attitude from a wide receiver is really impressive. And it led to the win today. That attitude, that, that swagger, I guess, um, that you got from Mingo today, that, that was the X factor in winning this game. He, the, the physicality, the speed, the hands, he looked like A.J. Brown and Laquan Treadwell today. And that's the kind of upside he's got. What a huge impact that he will have moving forward on that offense. Because now, if you key on Elijah Moore, you've got Jonathan Mingo who can burn you. On top of a really, really talented tight end who now has two touchdown receptions, which as Ben Garrett pointed out on Twitter, two more touchdown receptions uh, than Dawson Knox ever had at Ole Miss. And he's now in the NFL. But those two guys stepped up, and that was really, really important and a huge key for Ole Miss winning this game. Other side of the ball. Um, excuse me. Other side of the ball. Not pretty today. Terry Wilson uh, didn't have to throw much, but when he did, he was effective. He was 14 of 18, 151. He did get sacked a couple of times, and that was important. But Kentucky ran for 427 yards on the ground today. 427 yards. Three guys had over 100 yards rushing. Rodriguez, the back that really took over for Cavassier Smoke, who uh, was injured in the game and and couldn't return. Terry Wilson and Asim Rose, the guy that did the the deuces thing and got tackled and then fumbled later. Uh, That's called karma right there. Um, all of which had over 100 yards rushing. I'm going to start with the good, then go to the bad. The good thing about Ole Miss defensively, at least today, was they were battered, they were beaten, they were abused, they were physically overwhelmed, they were dominated for the majority of the game. That's just the truth. They were. But the difference is, in the second half, they made a handful of stops in a row. And it wasn't because penalties and stuff, although they got a couple of those. Ole Miss defensively, after getting beaten up and abused and dominated all game, stepped up in the second half and got a handful of stops in a row. And even though they lack talent, even though they lack 
experience and depth, and they have a whole bunch of issues on that side of the ball. You have got to give credit to those guys for not laying down and quitting. They battled today, and because they didn't lay down and quit, because they stepped up the way they did, Ole Miss won the game. Now, they've got a ton of problems there. They gave up 427 yards on the ground. They were physically dominated. They lack athletes on that side of the ball. There's very little schematically that Ole Miss can do from a coaching side to help their problem. A couple of times, uh, you know, players' eyes were in the wrong place, um, missed responsibilities and stuff like that, blown assignments. Those are things that you can coach out of them. But there were multiple times today, just like last week, where the players were in the position to make the play and simply could not make the play. They couldn't do it. Uh, that's the problem right now with Ole Miss defensively. It's, it's the personnel. It is not the scheme. Uh, there are a couple of people that uh, mentioned me on Twitter about how they miss Mike McIntyre. and I mean, he was really good uh, calling plays for Ole Miss a year ago. They did improve from 2018 to 19. But from that defense to this one, Ole Miss is missing their two best interior defensive linemen from last year's team. And oh, by the way, an NFL player in the secondary. It was a defense that was always going to be bad. And you saw today that physically they could not compete with Kentucky. Kentucky up front was better, simply better than Ole Miss up front. There's not a whole lot schematically you can do about that. In fact, there's really nothing you can do about that. I know people think that I've seen a few people anyway blame Durkin uh, for that rushing output, but there's really only so much they can do. And as you point out, COVID didn't help that. I mean, they didn't get the spring to work with them. They didn't get a real summer to work with them. And camp was weird. Uh, On top of everything else, that made it even harder. They're lacking bodies on defense. The recruiting class is setting up nicely, but they, they can't play for Ole Miss right now. You do have to give them credit, though. You do have to give them credit for not quitting, for stepping up. They looked like they were in really good shape, even. It seemed like Ole Miss was the better-conditioned team. And there's nothing I have that can quantify that. So I don't like saying things that I can't really back up with truth, other than my eyes saw an Ole Miss team that was better-conditioned than their Kentucky counterpart, which I think is what led to them getting stops late. But they stepped up when they needed to, got a handful of stops in the second half, and that's what changed the game from a blowout to an overtime win. That's the good, but the bad is um, they lack personnel. That's just the truth. They lack personnel on that side of the ball, um, and they've got to recruit their way out of it. It's going to be a defensive struggle all season long for Ole Miss, and um, today was more proof of that. But give them credit. They did what they had to do when they had to do it, and Ole Miss won the game because of that. All right, a couple more things, and then it'll get out of your way here. Thank you for tuning in, by the way. Uh, I think this is going well, I think, doing the podcast recording as well as Periscope at the same time. I think it's going okay. Uh, A couple more things here. The officials, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And uh, Mark Stoops after the game uh, you saw it on on video on TV that it looked like he grabbed an official. Now the camera cut away right as it was happening, so maybe he didn't. But he was obviously furious with the officials. But Ole Miss has a pretty good case of that as well. Number one, just gross incompetence on the missed field goal from Kentucky, the one that hit off the upright. There's a still image on Twitter. You can find it. 
uh, I tweeted it as well, um, where there's one official doing that because it was no good, and another one with his hands up indicating that the field goal was good. It hit off the upright and bounced back towards the field, and somehow the an SEC official declared it good. How does that happen? I, I was mind blown by that, but that wasn't even the worst part. The overturned touchdown where Ole Miss didn't get it on fourth down, that was potentially a game-changing situation right there. Um, they declare Snoop Connor in the end zone, give him a touchdown. They go to review, and if did you see inconclusive video evidence? Be, because I didn't. You could not tell whether or not he got in. So what should have happened was the call should have stood. Somehow, some way, the replay official declared that there was indisputable video evidence in that moment to overturn the touchdown. That was sketchy. But then the worst thing, the absolute worst thing, was the fair catch. That didn't happen. It simply didn't happen. Like, there wasn't a situation like Momo Sonogo last week where he did tackle the quarterback, but it definitely was not roughing the passer, but at least like there was an incident where a player tackled another player and it led to that flag. Like At least you can kind of justify that call. Um, Elijah Moore never put his hand in the air. It didn't happen. It simply didn't happen, and they blow the play dead, and he had room to make a return. He had a lot of room. And... I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't know how that happened. I have no idea how they blew that play dead. But incompetence in the SEC is uh, rampant when it comes to officiating, and you saw it today. So if Mark Stoops was whining and complaining after the game about officials, um, Lane Kiffin has every right to do literally the exact same thing. Because... Those three things I just pointed out are simply inexcusable, and yet uh, they happen. And uh, last thing, uh, I saved this for last uh, just because every time I talk about this, it feels like I'm bashing the kid and I'm not. But the guys on the broadcast um, would not stop talking about John Rice Plumley. Gene Chizik at the half said that Ole Miss needs to play Plumlee more, which is probably an indication of why he is sitting in the network studios of the SEC Network and not um, coaching still. But this obsession, um, I, don't, I don't quite understand it. Because, it, like for example today, the guys on the call said that Plumlee, John Rice Plumlee's the triple threat quarterback, but Corral has a pretty good arm himself. What? Um, did you watch them play last week? Like, did you do any kind of study whatsoever on, on Ole Miss? That I, I'm, I don't quite understand where that kind of stuff is coming from, especially after last week, and then especially even after the first half of that game where Ole Miss was down a touchdown at the half. What about the way that game was going told you that they needed to take Matt Corral out of the game? John Rice Plumlee's apparently, uh, obviously a wonderful kid, great kid, explosive athlete, good leader, the kind of kid you want on your team. But I don't understand the obsession. Calling him the impact player of the game, like guy to watch for in the game, that kind of stuff. I don't get it. 
It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I just don't understand why. Um, but maybe it'll start to end as more people watch Matt Corral and see how good he's been and see how talented he is. And oh, by the way, um, he's a, a great runner for a quarterback. Is he Plumley? No. But he's a great runner for a quarterback. And you saw it today. You can use him in that. He scrambles well. He eludes potential sacks well. He's mobile. He's really mobile. So maybe that kind of stuff will finally stop. Because I think, honestly, I mean, I don't think it's fair um, to Matt Corral. Because all game long, when you keep talking about Plumley, 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 oh, he's here, he's there, he's going to be in the game, he's going to do this, and you talk about that obsessively, it takes away from the kid that's producing and doing a really good job. Because all you're doing is talking about his backup, who isn't as good as him. I don't understand it. I, I, tr- I do not understand it at all. But you got it at every level. You got it on the broadcast level. You got it at halftime with Chizik. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Matt Corral throws, again, 320 yards on 24 of 29 passing and four touchdowns. And people are still talking about his backup. Where, where does that come from? I, uh, I don't understand. I don't understand. But I think that'll change. If Corral keeps this up, it'll definitely, definitely change. All right, I'm going to do a a real quick look at Alabama before I let you guys go. And by the way, if you're just joining us, this recording, this podcast version will be posted um, on Twitter in a matter of minutes. So if you're just joining us, I talked Plumlee, I talked Kiffin's first win, I talked offensive line, defense, everything. I've been on for about a half an hour now. Um, The podcast will be posted on Twitter here very shortly. Uh, And don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave a rating uh, and uh, a review as well. That would be greatly, greatly uh, appreciated. Alabama today struggled with Texas A&M. That's a Texas A&M team that was awful last week against Vanderbilt, especially offensively. So they kind of came to play today um, in a big way. And let me find this box score. Until later. Alabama won 52-24. Texas A&M is bad. There was a pick six in there. Mac Jones was really good. Um, Ole Miss should be able to take advantage because I think Mac Jones is good. I think Alabama has elite-level receivers, but I also think that Matt Corral is very good, and I think that Ole Miss has elite-level receivers. If Texas A&M is that susceptible in the secondary, giving up 22 yards per reception— well, that's a recipe for success whenever you play the Aggies. But on the flip side, Kellen Mond was pretty good today. He had 320 yards passing, a handful of touchdowns. He did throw a pick six in the game. Alabama's much better than Texas A&M. And honestly, Alabama's much better than Ole Miss. But they showed some weakness in the secondary today. Um, Smith for A&M had 123 yards. Weidermeyer had 82. I mean, A&M was able to throw the ball a little bit. And they got to Alabama some. Maybe this is just a one-off, but we will see. Uh, We will see. Ole Miss has Alabama next week, and then they go to Arkansas, who right now uh, is playing Mississippi State pretty tough. So we will see uh, how that ends up as well. They're actually beating Mississippi State uh, right now. They're beating Mississippi State. Going to try to find an illegal stream uh, to watch this one after uh, the Periscope because I can't get it on Hulu for some reason. So... Anyway, 
Thank you for watching on Periscope. I'm going to go ahead and hang up the Periscope right now. Um, The podcast will be uploaded here in just a few minutes, so it'll be there for you. Thank you for tuning in, guys. We'll do this again for for sure. Uh, I don't know how to hang it up. Stop broadcast. There we go. All right. And don't forget to go by LBs and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Big time win for Ole Miss over what is a really, really solid Kentucky team. So congratulations, Lane Kiffin, on his first win. Many more to come uh, for however long he is in Oxford. Have a great rest of your weekend. Who that? Go Saints tomorrow. And uh, I'll talk to you again on Sunday morning tomorrow. Uh, tune in to the, the Sunday radio show and also uh, on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.